Okay, we're live. I'm Bryce Hancock with Mile High Recovery Chat, and I'm here with Ryan Canaday. He's sharing the stream to his page so that his people can uh, check it out. Um, Ryan is, what do you call yourself? You you run free. You're the owner of free, the founder. Uh, so I, I am the executive director and pastor and founder okay. of Free Spiritual Community. Okay. And so Ryan is a, uh, an entrepreneur. He's a business owner. He's, uh, you know, he's a, a recovery guy and he's a pastor. Uh, I believe first and foremost, um, that's your line of work, your calling as it were. And I, we've talked, I want to remind everybody that I don't go back and like research who I'm interviewing because I want it to be spontaneous. Um, I have spoke with Ryan before it was a while ago. And I think what happened is coronavirus ruined some, we were going to collaborate on some things. You were going to do some, some free uh, meetings over it. Um, I had a space at the time. Coronavirus ruined it, I believe is what happened. And um, it ruined a lot of things, didn't it? Yeah, it changed everything. It, it definitely everything. made me have to pivot and it kind of ruined a lot of stuff. I had a kind of a tough year, <laughs> tough year financially um, well, as a business. Right. Yeah, a lot of people did, uh, but I'm still here. And um, so let's just get into it, man. Um, I'm So were you, you were a pastor. I'm just guessing you were a pastor and you were struggling with drinking. Yeah. So, you know, I always tell people I, I did things in reverse. So um, I would love to sit here and tell. Actually, I, I, I wouldn't love here. This is my story and I just own it. And it's where I am and I'm grateful for where I am and, and where I've come from. Right. Um, but so I wasn't battling the bottle and then i found then i got sober and found god then i became a pastor i was a pastor um battling the bottle living in that shame i you know like so many of you all listening right now and you know this story bryce um the long and short is i, I couldn't i couldn't put down the drink it was taking everything from me i couldn't put it down um so you know that's my story that's that's i, I got sober i was a drunk pastor and i got sober how's that it's good. And it's, um, you're right. It's a little bit in reverse, right? A lot of, a lot of us like myself get sober and then spirituality becomes part of our, uh, recovery. And so you yeah. went to college, you went to uh, college to become a pastor, correct? Yeah. You know, I went to, um, I, I, I did biblical studies in college, got a four year degree with biblical studies, minor in psychology. I went straight from college into seminary seminaries where I really learned how to drink. Uh, seminary is where my drinking career really took off. Went to seminary. From there, I was um, I did campus ministry at the University of Denver. I was appointed to a local church. Uh, I'm a United Methodist pastor, and I say all that because what I've learned I've learned a lot along the way. I've been sober for just over eight years, but um, you know, one of the things that I tell people all the time, and this is so true in my life, religion couldn't save me from all that. You know, I would, I would, I would try to do more religious stuff. And what I found is this, it's the deep spirituality of surrender that religion doesn't always do a good job at teaching us how to surrender. Uh, but God is all about the surrender. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't learn that religion. I learned that uh, in sobriety. I learned that through my fellows who have battled the bottle, who know what it's like, who know what it's like to turn over their will and surrender. Yeah. And so I, growing up, I went to Catholic high school. I got in trouble. I got caught with weed <laughs> and my parents. That'll get you in trouble. 
<laughs> they sent me to Catholic high school and um, it was like kind of my first introduction to I mean, religion at all. And I don't, yeah. I mean, I don't want to say they didn't even touch on spirituality, but they didn't pass it on to me. And, um, but there was a lot of rules and a lot of, uh, you know, just things you had to follow. And I'm not trying to say, Oh, the Catholic guilt, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It just, it just didn't really like appeal to me at the time. And then when I sobered up, like that's when I sort of found spirituality, right? It, it, you're right. So it's that surrender. But so many people talk about, I got sober in AA and I'm, a, I'm assuming, didn't, didn't you as well? I did. I got sober through AA. Yep. And a lot of people like Wayne Dyer, or Richard Rohr, like all these like spiritual guys, they'll tell you that like, that's, that, that's where you see God. It's like, because people, alcoholics, we're, we are like connected through shared pain, right? Yeah, totally, totally true. Uh, and, and it's, it's the power of doing what we're doing right now. Just sharing stories. We share mm-hmm. our stories so that we connect to others. We get permission to other people to share their stories. And my healing, I had to get this sobriety. My healing is wrapped up with your, my healing is wrapped up in the healing of others that I haven't met yet because it's a collective thing. It's not an individual thing. And, and that's how the journey of sobriety works, right? I don't do this stuff on my own. I do it with a lot of people and community around me. I do it with the help of God, God doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. Yeah, it's a popular phrase because it's true. Like I couldn't do that stuff on my own. I have to have community and people around me. And that's how I experience God. So there must have been, I'm guessing, was there like another like layer of like uh, shame or stigma being a pastor and an alcoholic? Um, because it's bad enough being an alcoholic. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, there, there definitely was. And, I, you know, I, I don't want to get into comparing my shame to others, but it uh, it came with a lot of shame. It came with no one can ever find out about this because if they find out about this, it's going to ruin me. And, not, and I don't mean just a career. I mean, that's a given, right? But it would ruin my pride. It would ruin everything I've worked for. It would ruin who I am as a person because I wanted you to think on the outside that I had it all together. Ryan's a Mm -hmm. spiritual man. Ryan's a preacher. He's a pastor. Um, I didn't want you to know who I really was because I had this deep seated fear that if you know me, if you really know me, you're not going to like me. You're not going to want me. And this is not going to go well for Ryan. I don't like rejection. I mean, who likes rejection, right? So that was my greatest fear. But what I found was, um, So I always thought if you just try to make people think you're something you're not, that's what people want from you. That's what gets you somewhere in life. You just fake it till you make it is what we're told, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But what I learned was when I went public with my story from the pulpit um, as a pastor in a sermon, um, man, it opened up all. It was like God saying, this is what I want you to do because you're not even going to believe the doors that open after this. You're not going to believe the people that you're going to be able to help because of this. Uh, and I didn't share my story to think, well, I'm just going to go help a bunch of people. I, I had other reasons for sharing my story, but what I found was, man, when I did, people started reaching out um, in our community. I mean, right where we were. And so uh, people started reaching out. How'd you put down the bottle? I mean, how'd that happen? And people started saying things like, yeah, my, uh, uh, my son or daughter, they're struggling, my brother, sister, aunt, uncle, whoever it is. And so, Then I started looking out to the community and saying, 
oh my goodness, we're not alone in this, but we tell ourselves we're alone. And what I saw was there's a huge percentage of people who are struggling and the person sitting next to them, to them is struggling with the same thing, but they don't know it because we've all gone, uh, and I shouldn't say all, so many of us have gone underground with this, especially in religion, especially in the church. And we say, no one can find out about this because they won't be able to relate. But the truth is the person sitting next to you in the pew or the seat, whatever you sit in, in your church. Yeah. Chances are they're going through it or someone they love is going through it. Yeah. It's, it's funny when you start being authentic, people will just go right. Me too. Right. Or I'm so glad you said something. And yeah, I don't know why we go through life like kind of being phony, but there's like, there's like what's going on. And then there's what's really going on. And in recovery, we yeah. talk about really going on because we have to, that's what saves our life. Absolutely. And what I found was people actually want the real me. And that, that was hard for me to believe. And Bryce, if I'm honest, there's still days I get stuck and say, no, no, what they want is to fake me. They want the, the good Ryan. They don't want, they don't want the messed up Ryan, the, the one who still struggles with things and uh, perfection or uh, uh, looking a certain way on the outside. But no, no, it's true. And, and, and on my best days, I believe that they want the real Ryan, that my worth and value isn't all wrapped up in the fake Ryan. Yeah, I used to get addicted to like sounding good, you know, and I could sound real good. But until I started being honest and sharing honestly, and even if that meant I don't know, <laughs> I have no yeah. idea how to get better or what's <laughs> going on. Like that's right. when I started to get well. And um, so you're sober, you're speaking from the pulpit, which means you're sharing your story publicly. And yeah. um, was that, was that, uh, cause you had, did you have a boss or were you the boss? Uh, no, so I'm a I'm an ordained United Methodist elder. Um, okay. So I was um, so I was on a clergy team. We had two other pastors at the church where I was serving, and in that system, in the United Methodist system, we have district superintendents and a bishop above us. So yeah, I report to people, and okay. what I can tell you was where where I experienced all kinds of grace. Um, and I posted on this on social media not too long ago, a few months, a couple months back, but. Man, the people above me, my my higher ups, my bosses, who I was just trembling with fear at telling them, um, they extended to me uh, grace upon grace upon grace. So it's easy to pick on religion. It's easy to pick on the church. But I, if I'm being honest, some of the most gracious people, uh, the people who modeled what love and unconditional love and, and journeying with me. Some of those people were, were in the church and I want to own that side of the story too, because uh, again, when we talk about religion, sometimes, oh, those church people, well, some of those yeah. church people gave me lots and lots of grace and I'm incredibly grateful for that. Right. And like, you know, we're both guys in recovery, right? And we both are, you know, leaders and I talk to a lot of people and I'm guessing my experience is different than yours because people know you're a pastor and yeah. People's biggest beef with 12-step programs is God, is yeah. spirituality. And that was my biggest beef with the whole thing, too. And it's like, uh, it's one of the criticisms. And I've talked to people in 12-step in programs that say, well, we need to, like, dumb this down. We need to water this down to, like, reach more people. And, and I don't know that that's true. I think there's another side, and I think you've tapped into it, 
of people that want, they don't want it watered down. They want it hard. They want the they want the hard stuff, right? And so you developed yeah. a new community, a new community that leans into that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and we call this community free spiritual community. And we call it free because all the things that set us free, and in my mind, that's grace, compassion, love, forgiveness. These are the things that are so freely given by God. Now, here's the deal. Why we started free was uh, one, when I started going, being open with my story, I saw a whole community who it was like, oh my goodness, um, we need this kind of community. We need, we're a community for addicts, loved ones of addicts and spiritual refugees. Um, and we, we do spiritual refugees because um, I've encountered so many people who tell me they have felt kicked around by religion. They have felt that God is everything but um, love, grace, compassion, forgiveness, that God, when you boil it down, God has a big list of rules. I can never live up to this. God, God is disappointed with me and God is into some sort of morbid eternal punishment. And so they say, you know what? We just can't do that. And when you boil it down, they've been taught this. They've been handed this from religion somewhere along the way. Uh, lots of people have been excluded. The church has done, and I'm talking big C church, the church has done a great job at trying to decide who's in and who's out. Well, they're in, this group's out, this group's in, this group's out. No, no, no. Let's get rid of those boundaries. Let's get rid of the lines. So we welcome in spiritual refugees. And I learned this. I did a funeral of a young guy. He was actually a guy I was sponsoring. Uh, he died of a heroin overdose uh, right as we were starting free. In fact, he was on my leadership team and died with a needle in his arm. And I did his funeral. And what I noticed was um, some of his friends when they stepped into the church, they didn't know how to act. They didn't know to walk into the sanctuary. And I had to literally tell them, hey, we're getting started. It's time to come in. And they were so hesitant. Um, but at the same time, I stayed in contact with many of them afterwards. They had this hunger for something deeper spiritually. And those are the spiritual refugees. Because I believe at the heart of everyone, everyone has this deep desire to say, and I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the church. I don't know if it's this group or that group, but I want to journey with other people spiritually. And when I say spiritually, I mean asking the deeper questions about God, the universe, why we're here. Um, all those questions that, that most of us are really fascinated in, but we're just not going to do it through the route of religion. So we started free and said, let's open it up to those struggling. Hi, buddy. My five-year-old just walked in. Um, let's let's open up free to um, addicts, loved ones of addicts, and spiritual refugees, and let's get them all together. Let's not separate the alcoholics and the non-alcoholics, or the 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 addicts and the and the and those who don't struggle with addiction. But let's get everyone together and see what happens. And we started this about two years ago. We started in our backyard just to see if people were interested, and it kind of exploded on us. And then a couple of months after that, we got our own space and. It's a community where we come together and our tagline is we don't do shame because so many people have been affected by shame, especially if you're in recovery, if you are in the LGBTQ community, which we are open and affirming to um, our spiritual refugees. So many of them know shame and we say, no, no, we don't do shame here. You are welcome here, but leave your shame at the door. Yeah. And it's like, uh, I think all act, all addicts, all alcoholics, maybe everybody has this like spiritual hunger, whether they know it or not. And like, 
we talk about it a lot. I don't feel comfortable. There's a God-sized hole. I was trying to fill this thing. And, you know, I found it in spirituality, but I didn't have access to spirituality. I, I got it through AA. And I've been yeah. to free, I've been to your meetings. Um, and it, you're right. It, it's actually more inclusive than some 12-step groups that, that will, you know, they'll, like, so AA groups are so hardcore, like only one alcoholics. And, you know, and I've seen it like, hey, we're on drugs. We can't help you here, which is ridiculous, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard all sometimes sometimes 12 step groups can be worse than religion if we're honest, right? They can get just as rigid and just as stuck in there's only one right way. I mean, how many times do you hear that in a 12 step meeting? There's only one right way and we have the right way and if you don't follow this way you're going to die. Oh, yeah, that's come on. Vibe. I mean, where have we heard this before? Yeah, right, and that's the vibe. And and I sort of believed it honestly like because I just loved it so much that I didn't I, yeah. And I was, I became like closed minded. Like if you're going to get well, it's got to be this way. And then I thought the 12th step was to like spread AA. That is not, the, that is not my 12th step. My 12th step is to be open to anything that helps people get well. And that's why I'm very interested in free. What's up, buddy? Because when I heard about it, it was like, uh, there's this new thing, man. It's called free. And I heard it from like several different people who did who I didn't even know knew each other. So when I heard about it, I was like, wow, that's this guy's really doing something down there, right? And it's growing, correct? It is growing. I mean, you mentioned at the beginning um what COVID did to us, but so just to give you some basic numbers on on people who come, you know, we started in our backyard with 12 people. Uh, things continued to grow in four weeks and we were just planning a four week session and then we were going to be done and then plan something more from there. But people started saying, what are we doing next week? Uh, long story short, we took one month off. Then we started meeting again. And uh, by the time COVID hit, by the time the pandemic hit, we were in 3000 square feet of space uh, and we were getting about 100 to 120 people on a Saturday night. So you've been in that space, you know, it was wall to wall packed people. So we were actively looking for new space. We had a letter of intent out on a new space. Um, and then the pandemic hit. Thank God we were able to pull that letter back. Uh, but yeah, what we found is it's meeting a need. And pe some people, it's really interesting, Bryce. Some people say, well, this is my church. And someone right next to that person will say, no, no, this isn't a church. Oh, this, this is this is our place. This is our home. It's not a church. And um, as a pastor, as an ordained minister, uh, I am totally okay. I tell people all the time, I don't care what you call it. You can call it a church. You can call it a place. You can call it, some people call it a club. We're not, we're definitely not a club, but um, uh, whatever it is, if you're finding healing and spiritual connection here and recovery here, you're connecting with other people. Good. Let, let's, let's leave up the name, leave that stuff in God's hands. We're cool with whatever you call it. We don't need to put boundaries and labels on this. Um, and that's been kind of a cool part. It's ambiguous enough, but it's really, we're really clear about our mission. And that is to create space for healing, recovery, and spiritual connection. I, yeah. And, and the most important thing is, you know, people that are saying, oh, I don't like, I'm not interested in that. It's like, I'm not asking you to be Mr. AA, but you have to like have a new community. And when anybody, anybody I send who does connect, it's that feeling of community. And, and you guys yeah. have, you have that community and whether people know it or not, like isolation was what kills addicts and alcoholics. 
and yep. you have to have that connection. Which I'm glad, I'm so glad you mentioned that because it's hugely important. Um, it's the isolation and disconnection piece. So what the, what the pandemic do for people, it told alcoholics and addicts, and I'm not knocking it, it's just the way it is. It told us it's okay to isolate. So I'll stay home now. I'll be on my own now. I won't attend meetings or connect with people or gather with people. And so we isolated. What'd you see with the relapse rate, the overdose rate? I mean, everything skyrocketed. And what we're seeing now, and you're probably seeing this too, now act, alcohol, alcoholics and addicts are being told it's okay to come back out. And so many of us, we don't know how to come back out. It's like recovery is brand new. So um, I think what we're going to see is this huge spike of relapse, not just 30%, but way higher. You're going to see a higher dose of uh, a higher rate of overdose because people don't, we're, it's, we're brand new again. And so what the work we're doing, I think is incredibly needed right now. And, and I'm telling people all the time, look, it doesn't have to be free. It doesn't have to be mile high, sober living, whatever it is. You've got to have community. You've got to surround yourself with people. It might be a knitting group, a bowling club, but you got to have people. You are not made to walk this life alone. You were not created to journey alone. You have to do it with other people. Get connected in something. So when people tell me they're going to disconnect for a while, it's a scary thing to say. And I hear it a I'm lot. Gonna, I'm going to yeah, take a break. They say, I'm going to take a break. Well, I, you know, we do sober housing. We have a the treatment center and then a sober housing company. And, and most people that are new say, I do better in a room by myself. And it's like, no, you don't. <laughs> and you don't, you think you do, but you don't, you'll, you'll isolate yeah. and you won't get anything out of it. Right. So the therapeutic value that we have as a sober house company or that a community like free has is the vibe. It's the culture. It's the, uh, you know, the inclusiveness and that feeling that you belong um, even as rejects. Yeah. Right. As, as people who've been rejected and you know, the thing we hear free more, more than any other thing is this feels like home. And it's um, people say it's truly a place where we feel welcome. And it's not because we have a welcoming team. We do, we call them the home team. They're meant to welcome people, smile at people, don't be creepy. You know what I mean? But that's, that's not what, what people are touching on. They're touching on the ethos that is built there that, for instance, we had a guy share just last week. He said, you know, when I was looking in, into the mirror, not that kind of mirror, but uh, the other kind of mirror and I was doing a rail and it's like, man, I just had to take a moment and say, this is the only kind of spiritual community I know. This is the only church I know of where you can say that and people aren't just blown away by talking about doing a rail off a mirror. Um, yeah. And, and you know, where people can talk about what they've been through and where they are and people are going to celebrate where they are. We're going to clap for them. When they're hurting, we're going to carry them. And you don't have to sugarcoat it. You don't have to wear the mask. You can be who you are. And it's not creepy or or shamed in this community. And man, we need more of that. We absolutely need it. And you're talking about everybody, uh, all religions in the LGBTQ plus community, right? And addicts. Yeah. Know, anybody. Um, you guys don't discriminate against anybody. Yeah. And it's worth saying too, um, not just the addicts, but the loved ones of addicts, they are just as important in our community because what I'm learning from them is they carry a different deal of shame. You know, they carry the shame of walking, walking through all this hard stuff with their loved one. And, 
it's the stuff I can't identify with. You know, I'm learning, uh, but it's not my story. But we need their story because my healing is wrapped up with theirs. I'm not whole and complete apart from them. We need their stories. So their stories are welcome too. And something really profound and healing happens when we can get all those groups in a room together and we start sharing those stories. It's why we have a storyteller. I give about a 15 minute message every Saturday night and then we always have a storyteller. Uh, so it's yeah. not just coming from the preacher, the pastor, it's coming from the community. Yeah, you have a format. It's a, it's, it's fairly loose. And it's like you said, you know, you can't be in the sermon in some, you know, church and all of a sudden stand up and say, well, here's what I went through and here's what I think. Um, yeah. Like, you know, I, if I started to tell my story, you know, in the middle of a sermon, I would probably get kicked out. Um, but you guys do have a format, right? It's a, it's a loose format. It's yeah, we do have a format. And it's, and it, it includes, um, we always, when we're, and we're opening back up to in-person now, we've been doing that for the last few weeks. So if you're watching and you want to come, you're invited. Uh, and we're still online. The cool thing the pandemic did do for us is we grew an incredible uh, online uh, congregation community, uh, which all over the country, which was really, really cool. Um, but yeah, we have a, we have a structure when it was when we didn't do the online thing, we could play more music. Um, we don't have a band. We don't do that sort of thing. But we play songs that relate to the theme that night. So we played Macklemore, Eminem, who, by the way, celebrated 13 years sober yesterday. Um, we played some worship songs. So for you church folk out there, the hill song, we don't really do hymns, um, but we do, we take music from all different genres, whatever works with that theme. And we give some time for reflection. Uh, then we open with celebrations and we celebrate all the new things in life, not just sobriety anniversaries, but anything new in life, because in that community, in this community, we can get bogged down with the heartache. So we don't ignore the heartache, but we save it for the end. So we have a time of celebrating together, then I give a message, like I said, 15 minutes, and then we have a storyteller to share on that theme. So like this week, it's why healing is necessary. And we've got a, a, a loved one of an addict who's going to share her story about what healing looks like. And um, and then we close with heartaches and we pray together. And that's kind of, that's kind of how we do things. Yeah, it's cool. So you are in person or you're not in person right now? We are. We are in person and online. So you can join on Facebook Live on our free spiritual community page. Um, YouTube, we're on YouTube. We're on our website, which is freespiritualcommunity.com. Uh, or So we're going to keep doing both because we've grown with people just um, all over the country. So yeah. we want to give them an opportunity to stay with us. Right. And you mentioned before, it's, you know, the pandemic, it's basically almost felt like the government told us to go inside and to uh, disconnect. And what happened is day drinking became normalized. Uh, it yes. almost was a form of self-care. Like I'm not day drinking, I'm just stressed out. Right. And, you know, which is fine, except for now we're going to have to come, you know, these people that have been day drinking every day are going to have to come back out and see the light of day and go back to work and you can't day drink at your office um, unless you work at a bar. And so they're yeah. going to need help. People are going to need help. Right. You know? They're going to need help. We and have I, forgot, I, I heard on the radio this morning, 33% of the people have gone way down and they're showering, they're bathing. Uh, uh, deodorant sales have gone way down. It's like we have forgotten how to be people. Uh, well, this, shampoo yeah, sales I'm, have gone down. 
Um, we've just, we've been, we've been locked in and now we're trying to figure out what does it look like to come back out and be a community? Yeah. That's going to take some work. Basic health and mental health has definitely suffered. Mm -hmm. Um, we're starting to get back out there now. I know there's a lot of in-person meetings. I've been fortunate that I've been going to in-person meetings pretty much the whole time, but most people weren't able to do, uh, yeah. And so what's next? Uh, you guys going to like continue to try to grow? Do you have like aspirations like that? Or is it just an organic thing? Yes. Well, it's funny you should ask and, and you would have known this. So this is that wasn't a setup question. We are we are actively looking for new space. Okay. Uh, I, I, I wish I could say more right now. We're um, we, we're looking at a particular space. I don't I, I don't want to give details because what I've learned is. Um, sometimes deals fall through and I've gotten really excited about things. I said, here's what we're doing. And then it falls through and you got to go back to all those people and say, yeah, just kidding. So, uh, we are actively looking, we're in the process of, of getting a new space. If we get this particular space, it's going to be really awesome because we want to be, what we want to do is have space for what we do on Saturday nights, of course. So we need space for two, 200 ish people in one room. And then we want to have a fully functioning all day cafe, because as you know, my wife, Tammy is a coffee roaster and no. we do wagon coffee at free. It supports women in recovery, but lots of people want to hang out. And so we want to open an all day uh, cafe and we're taking steps to do that, which will happen in the new space. And we want enough space. Uh, so we're looking at 10,000 square feet, uh, enough Ooh. space to hold meetings, uh, several meetings at one time and not just 12 step meetings, but we want to be able to have therapist on site. Uh, we want to function like a recovery center, uh, okay. not just a Saturday night church or, or just AA meetings, but uh, we've seen that trauma therapy is really important in our community. So many people have been through trauma and they haven't dealt with it. And just going through the steps, getting a sponsor isn't exactly what you need to deal with your childhood trauma. Uh, it's, it's more complex than that. So uh, we want to we want to be uh, we've even tossed around ideas about what would it look like to open a gym, yoga classes. Um, we want to be uh, to meet the needs of wholeness, health, wellness. Um, all of it goes together, mind, body, spirit. So we are actively looking for new space, and um, we have a mute move. Regardless, we have a move in our future because um, the place we are now is being renovated. And we're getting a boot, not because we've been bad tenants, but we knew this going in there. So we're moving. It'll probably happen in the next um, in the next ninety days. We have a move in our future. Yeah. Cool. Well, you know, like anybody that, that I meet who has like a, a tendency towards Christianity and doesn't find that they connect to AA meetings, I always send them to you. Um, yeah, well, I, we appreciate that, man. They'll meet the right people. They'll feel the vibe. I was there. I felt the vibe for sure. It was friendly. It was inclusive. And it's like a format that I believe is replicable that you could take and you could duplicate it. And you could, you could do those meetings anywhere that um, people yeah. will, in my opinion. And I like to hear that you're starting like, like a, that's a, that's an ambitious project. You know, that's like a treatment center. That's cool. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. Once it gets taken off and uh, it, it's going to be, I hope you come out to the grand opening. I will. I would love to, and I definitely will be there. Um, I wish you well. I hope you're super successful. I hope you guys also sell a ton of coffee, Tammy. I know she's working hard on that, on that business. Yeah, yeah. She's she's well, she's she's rocking it. She's great. Thank you. Thanks for being on. Um, I appreciate it.
Thank you, Bryce. Appreciate all the work you're doing, man. We follow you. We yeah. keep up. So good stuff. Thanks for right having on. me on tonight. Okay. Thanks, Ryan. All right.